0: Yo lovers, welcome to the very first episode of Vocal About It. We are so ultra excited for this experience. Thank you so much for the lovers who listened to our trailer, who shared it with your loved ones, and who just sent us so much cool feedback. This really gave us love, so thanks for that. Thank
1: you so much, we're super excited. Welcome. This is the first episode of Sarah and Sarah. Yes! And we are going to tell you the whole story of how we started this podcast, how it took us quite a while to actually come up and put ourselves out there, and what you're going to expect here. Yeah, I think one of the main reasons why we wanted to start this is a huge lack of representation of women of color when it comes to A, the podcast scene, B, the media as such. So we wanted to change that and we decided to just do our own thing and here we are. That's the one thing. The other thing is that it took us a while because we knew that the podcast scene, technology and everything, that's a real male-dominated area. So that... And so we didn't dare to put us out there. And uh, we know of this stereotype that women often scare away from those ma- male-dominated areas. And as women of color, there is this effect is even multiplied because we know we have to be three times as good to be acknowledged in a way where a white guy starts. So yeah, there was a lot of nervosity and excitement behind that. But once we realized that this stereotype exists, um, we started to say, okay, let's fuck it. We want to go out there. We want to represent. This is important. And this is also one of the reasons why you are going to hear a lot of unperfect content because we decided to just go out there.
0: And yeah, basically what happens is that we knew that we wanted to launch the podcast. I just texted Sarah one day, back in February, which is forever ago. <laughs> Next thing you know, two weeks later, we went on Amazon, bought some mics, we had our laptop ready, um, we downloaded Audacity, and then we were like, ha! what do we do now? But yeah, we're just super excited to have this going on. This really was a long journey, but we're super happy because like Sarah said, representation is one of the main reasons why we come up with this. We want to be the change that we want to see. If I just take my childhood as an example, I uh, was raised by this amazing, superb, very brave single mom who obviously wanted to do three times as much for my sister and I. So I was taking tennis classes. I was taking violin classes. And also I actually, wanted to be a poet on these three fields uh there's not a lot of representation yeah so i was always the only black kid in a lot of different spaces and i think it's really hard to just visualize yourself and think of yourself yeah i can be that i can be this if you don't have the representation yes Yes, totally i think that is such an important point because representation
1: and confidence is directly linked um, when you see people who look like you and have the same background as you being in all the positions of power in society, doing cool shit everywhere. You would ask yourself, why shouldn't I be able to do that? Of course I can. If they can, I can. Um, If you don't have those people, if you don't have those role models, people who are representing you out there, how would you know? How would you know that you could do it too? If there is just a lack of representation, you feel like you're the, and you also are, the only person in the room who looks like you. This is doing a lot with your confidence. And I think this was one of the the factors that uh, influenced us here too.
0: Yes, so two objectives here. Number one, if we as brown and black millennials, knowing no shit about anything technical back eight months ago, if we can do that, anybody clearly, and any of our little sisters who want to create their own media, who want to create their own platform to express themselves, can do it. So go for it. That's number one. And number two, because we miss that on during our childhoods and our teenagehood, we really want to create a platform where we celebrate our sisters. We want to celebrate women of color who do super cool shit across Europe, whether they work in politics, in the media, whether they own a restaurant. So it's just really... You know, yes. showing some love and, and having some positive representation. Yes,
1: definitely. When
0: it comes to tech and
1: representation, thing is, it's only been a couple of weeks ago, to be honest, that we didn't really know a lot. We are not exactly tech geeks. But then um, a woman of color, a friend of ours, taught us the skills. And now we are producing this all ourselves. So it's two women, two laptops, two mics. This is all we have. This is our base from where we start. If we can do a podcast, you can do it once you
0: Okay, so just to present ourselves, because I think it's important for our listeners to know a little bit who we are, where we come from. We will have many different talks about our childhood, about our past, about super personal stuff that you want to share with you guys. But just to start with, um, as for me, my name is Sarah. With an H at the end. Thank you very much. Have the respect, yes. Uh, So I'm French. I grew up in a small town in the southwest of France. Uh, My mom is from Angola. My dad is from Ivory Coast. And uh, I'm just really excited to share with you guys my experience as growing up as a black woman in France. Um, After my studies, I moved to Asia in Singapore, where I lived for a few years. And now I'm based in Brussels. So there's a lot of different things that happened during my life in terms of um, really cool experiences, happy vibes. Um, you know, cool family stories, much less cool family stories as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of different things along the way that make me the woman who I am. And yeah, can't wait to share all of that with you guys.
1: Yeah. So yeah, my name is Sarah too, without an
0: age. This is
1: how you can differentiate us. Um I'm 26, I'm from Vienna, I've been working in the European Parliament for the last three years, a very white place which is going to be topic of one of our episodes in the future, too. I've been living and working in Brussels for three and a half years now, and I really love the diversity and the inspiration and the people I met here.
0: Including me, right?
1: Including you. (laughs) Thank you. Many very feminist uh, women of color and white women, um, who we do a lot of very feminist shit with, and yeah, they are going to be topic of our episodes, too.
0: Um, So, yeah, I think let's dig in and talk about our um, topic of the day.
1: This is what we're gonna talk about this. We, as women of color, are perfectionists. So, if you, as a woman, always want to do it twice as good as the rest in order to thrive... We are going to go go there and be three times as good. This also keeps us from just like putting ourselves out there because we always have to think it through and be okay. And this has to be perfect too. And this has to be, but then again, this is not how we work because we are not perfect. And this is what we're going to show you here.
0: Yes. So a lot of very, very imperfect content you will hear with us. Uh, One of the things as well that actually explained this kind of behavior is that from from a very young age, our parents, you know, as immigrants in European countries have always been telling us that we need to work twice as hard. And as women, not just, you know, people of color, women of color, thrice as hard sometimes, which is why we were just, you know, overthinking this whole podcast situation. We really wanted the project to be perfect. We were thinking of, you know, what do people will, what will people think and all the judgments that we potentially will have. And you know what? If we were two white guys, this would have been out by June. All right?
1: (laughs) This is incredible. And you know what? This actually made me think about this whole effort we put into adapting ourselves to this society. Mm -hmm. Instead of just like celebrating our being different. And how much energy we put into seemingly being like everybody else. And being like the rest and being like the mainstream. When in reality, our being different isn't a deficiency or something, but something that is a great resource when you see it the right way and when you use it the right way
0: and when you're not trying to be somebody else. Completely. I think though that that's something that comes when you've started to deconstruct and decolonize your mind, word I love to use. Can you explain what that means? Sure thing. So decolonizing a public space, a mind or, you know... A thought process means that you are going to get rid of all the racist stereotypes that were put in place during the colonization by European countries of basically southern countries of this world where for example white is going to be the center of a beauty standard where for example myself as a black woman I'm expected to be wild, very loud, disrespectful, to be, you know, not reasonable, just not being able to manage my temper and such things. Being very sexual. Being extremely sexual, absolutely. For Asian women, being extremely submissive, not really having a point of view, you know, being able to just like be flexible and shit, like all of this bullshit that's basically really, really strongly incorporated into our minds from a very, very young age. When you start to realize that, when you start to do your research, when hopefully if you do, you know, have parents or a supportive system who educate you and help you to go through your history, where you actually come from. Uh, In my case, you know, I I had the luck of having um, very woke and educated parents who always told told me about the history of Africa way before colonization, because that's not where it started, then you started to realize, you know, all of the small things that you've been doing, the people that you've been dating, the friends that are surrounding you, the small remarks that you had at work, and you just started to believe that this is not about anything else but your race. And when you go through that process, you actually get rid of all this, or at least a knowledge, yeah, a knowledge uh, where everything comes from, and decolonize your mind. mm mm-hmm. I think that's really an
1: important point of realizing in what kind of society you grow up. Because so often people are like, no, I'm not racist. But the thing is actually that we all grew up and were raised in a very racist and also for this matter, very sexist society. And realizing this, that not all of your thoughts are your own production and uh, you produce them because you want to be a racist or something. But this is what you were taught That those people are all one of a kind, that this is how they behave and everything. You have to actively get rid of this in the process of your intellectual decolonized mind. And once you realize this, that this is not, this is not you and you didn't, you are not there by choice having those kinds of problematic views. But this is what we were all taught and realizing it, acknowledging it, and then slowly starting to lose it. This is actually the first step on
0: being an ally, I think. Totally. So that's one thing when it comes to the to the point of, of white people. But at the end of the day, if they don't do it, it's fine. Their life will continue and they'll just be seen as lazy, maybe. But honestly, for us as people of color and women of color, it's a survival thing. This brought me so much peace to understand where all the different reactions I got were coming from. And to know that I'm so much more than that. And I'm not going to let this, you know put me down. I'm not going to let this define me. This is really something that can bring you freedom, that can help you define yourself as you are Mm. beyond the color of your skin and beyond your sex and everything. So that's actually, you know, because we are in survival mode 24-7 to start with as people of color. We have to fight against a lot of different bullshit that other people put onto us uh, on a daily basis. And to me, that was survival as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It does, and I think um, when we're already talking about what it means for white people, I think <laughs> white people, <laughs> I think the very first step to take after you've acknowledged what kind of society you you were raised in is to listen what people of color say, what people at the margins say. I think this is something that so many people lost the ability to just. Listen closely when somebody who is being discriminated against tells you something about their experiences. So first of all, I think it's already a huge effort to go there and to raise your voice and to say, this really hurt me. This happened to me and it was not cool and it was unjust. But then getting the reaction from the other part is very often a reflex of belittling what happened or normalizing it to saying... They probably didn't mean it like that, that wasn't their intention, don't take it the hard way, don't be oversensitive here and everything. And I really think that those reflexes, they do harm. And what you should do instead is to listen closely, acknowledge that the thing that happened was shit, and that it shouldn't happen, and that it's unjust, and that we should fight it together. And if it seems odd to you, if you think, yeah, maybe my friend is overreacting here, then this is your privilege talking and you should listen again. And when your privilege still itches, you, you should go to your friend and listen again. And maybe you don't have to say anything at all. Maybe you don't have to come up with a witty reply with something you heard on the internet with whatever, just giving space to the voice that is usually not heard. Is already such an act of allyship, and I think this is really something we should all learn again. Rich, girl! Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: that was so true, very real. And also, I think sometimes, at the end of the day, it's really hard. I think for white people to put themselves in our shoes, yeah. Which it can be the case for a heterosexual talking to a homosexual, and many, many, an, an able person talking to a disabled person. Which okay, I get, but. If you can't put yourself in the other person's shoes, then do not judge the situation. And worse, do not judge that person because, like you say, it really does harm. It creates a lot of different anxiety. And the last thing you actually want when you open up to someone is for them to diminish your pain, to to belittle the situation and to just make you feel like maybe it's you, Mm -hmm. you know. Did you have your periods? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was it a hard day that you went through? Like, you know. And sometimes... Even just saying, hey, you know what? I don't know what it's like to feel what you just felt. I don't want to say anything stupid. Please know that I'm here if you need to just talk and that I shut up and just listen. And if you want to do something else to change your mind, I'll be here. Even just that can be so powerful to someone who just threw some shit. So precious. This
1: would be exactly what I would want to hear. If something like this happens to me, you don't have to know what it's like. You cannot know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Thankfully for you, mm-hmm. you won't have to go through it. But don't take it away from me.
0: Mm-hmm. So just to come back on the, on the listening part, I think, you know what? The more I grew up... I'm going to use that phrase a lot. The more I grew up... <laughs> And the more I put an emphasis on active listening, I cannot deal with people who literally are not listening to you, are just waiting for you to be done, even like oh, almost trying to interrupt you to then just go and tell their story. And that happens a lot when you, you know, tell a story of discrimination to a person who was not subject to that. And they'll go on and say, oh my god, I went to Egypt, I went to whatever, I went to Mali, I went to Peru, and this and this and this happened. And you're just like, yo. <laughs> First of all, were you listening? True, if you were, can you actually acknowledge my pain and don't like put a mirror in front of yourself and just talk about that little experience that you that you went through? So this active listening is just extremely precious. And beyond the cases of discrimination, I think that everybody should make the effort to do it because it would change the whole dynamic of communication when you actually really listen to someone. And then feedback on exactly what you heard and trying to help the person and and all of that. It would change a lot. It would, it would. And I think this also is privilege that you have learned to, that it's
1: not necessary to listen to the other person, that you in your position of privilege can or cannot Give oxygen to this, or legitimise it, and say, "Yeah, this is actually a legit position that you're having in. You should not be discriminated against." And to have this choice always to either opt for something in order for or against discrimination, this is not something that we can we can never choose. So we are always having those very political lives, and um, I think this is also something that people should reflect on. Mm-hmm. Whenever you say,
0: um, "No." This is none of my business. This means you're in privilege. Exactly. You you, you have the, l- the luxury of removing yourself from the situation and go and have brunch. Mm-hmm. That's privilege right here.
1: And we rarely do. Mm-hmm. So for me also, um, living a feminist life means to be left alone. <laughs> Sometimes it's just that like society leaves me in peace mm-hmm. because so often it's only doing like very small chores, going going shopping or something without being harassed, without somebody making a stupid comment on me,
0: without, I don't know, inviting
1: me to a kind of interaction that I was not asking for.
0: Fake compliments, like a small casual racist remarks mm-hmm. and all of that shit. Even just the strange looks mm-hmm. can sometimes be highly annoying. Yeah, And just imagining that you
1: can go through your day without anybody like trying to take something away from you, trying to divert your attention. This is huge privilege. And um, when you think about it, that we do not have this luxury most of the time, I think this position could be very powerful once you realize this and once you are willing to share it with people who are not in those positions of power.
0: And just to switch to something a bit more positive (laughs) that makes me want to talk about the safe spaces and the women of color sisterhood mm-hmm. because we have that my darling <laughs> and that just makes me that just makes me think of a of a beautiful moment that we went through just last <laughs> Sunday <laughs> well about two weeks ago actually because last Sunday I was a bit yes. uh, yeah um, you weren't out there <laughs> <laughs> but okay I think that just having some sisters literally that you choose and some you know other girlfriends of color who understand you with which when you have a conversation you start at 35 percent because you don't have to justify any of your experiences is so 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 precious so i would invite for all the sisters who don't have that please try to create it go to some book clubs where you know you're gonna find some sisters go to some events where you know you're gonna find them if you don't have them just drop us an email let's hang out (laughs) but for real though like we okay so we have this other girlfriend whose name is Sit on. If you hear us speech we love you. Uh we have this tradition of meeting every Sunday night, y'all. The three of us over pasta. And this is a life. We literally okay, we're a bit intense, I will say this. We laugh very loud. <laughs> we get excited about stuff. People avoid us. People avoid us usually, and they we get nasty looks, but these two, three hours we spend together just is just such an energy reboot. Incredible unbelievable because we get to tell our stories the real way it is we don't have to hide anything we don't have to like you know sugarcoat any of the shit we want to say and it's just the realness of these relationships are key to again the survival of women of color it's
1: so worthy it's so precious and for me it took me so long to realize this how it is not to only be with like-minded people but with people who share the same experiences that you have, where you don't have to always justify, yes, this is actually really happening to me, where you don't have to go through this effort and emotional labor all the time, but where you have people who exactly understand what you're going through, this is so worthy. And uh, yeah, so for me, for example, um, I, I grew up in Vienna and it's a very white country, this Austria it's very traditional and um i grew up in a in a very uh, conservative district and so for most of my childhood and youth i had white friends so i was always the other and it actually took me until i came to brussels to have both to have feminist friends and Friends who are women of color. Interesting. And uh, that it took me so long and that now it's finally there. This means so much to me and I can really just recommend... To try and reach out, I'm pretty sure that the women out there will want to make this kind of connection too. So we've had this several times, for example, at one of Sarah's workshops about uh, intersectional feminism. Afterwards, we met and we found each other just like this. We were a group of women of color who had a blast without knowing each other. We
0: vibed out like no one tomorrow
1: incredible it was incredible and we had such a yeah we had created a space of us and uh yeah this was incredibly worthy and you shouldn't wait to have this because it's the best go for it
0: it's everything all right so now is the part where we take the time to celebrate a woman of color as well as providing you with some cultural recommendations of cool shit we've been reading, seeing, listening to. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start, babe?
1: All right. So I recently came across... That's funny because a white friend of mine actually suggested her to me. What? Yes, I know. In any case, she's a rapper from the US. She's called Angel Haze. She's incredible. She went through a lot. One of her songs called... Well, this is actually... A variation of Eminem's Cleaning Out My Closet, where she is rapping about her past, how she got sexually molested and raped as a child, how her family was living in a cult. Yeah, that's actually a really tragic story of how she and her mom, they were really exposed to the dynamics of control of the cult and um, how they got away from it and how she, even though she went through so much developed her potential and her talent and I think at the age of 13 or something she published her first poem and since then she's been thriving and is doing so powerful impressive stuff and I think for me she is really the symbol of resilience and uh, yeah I was really not only by her music itself by her story as well I was really impressed
0: and touched and I wanted to recommend Angel Hayes oh super OK, um, so on my side, my cultural recommendation is by Laurent Safou, a.k.a. Mrs. Roots on Twitter and on many other platforms, who just came out with a book. So that's in French, people. Sorry for the others. <laughs> I hope that there will also be some English speaking version um, in other countries. That's called Comme un million de papillons noirs. So that would be like a million of black butterflies in English, which actually refers to an expression by Toni Morrison on how she used to describe Afro hair. And that's a uh, children's books Mm. Uh, talking about the story of Ade, who was this gorgeous, beautiful, big Afro. um, And that she just basically learns how to love it. I think in terms of representation, this is absolutely amazing i was super happy to see on twitter today that it's already out of stock in certain bookstores nice. and you know i i just couldn't help but think of my mom who was struggling to find some black dolls and children book with some black people on it black little girls and black little boys and the more we have stuff like this the more it's going to be easy for the younger generation to identify to have positive representation and this is extremely powerful and again this plays a very big role into normalizing our presence into different spheres of society and i think this is great so kudos to mrs roots we love you this is amazing great work go follow her on twitter and follow her work and wherever you are if you can please always make the effort If you are going to give something and to, you know, prepare a gift to a children who's non-white to make the effort to find something where he's going to find him or herself. That's very important.
1: Yes, very true. Yeah, so representation, you can never underestimate the value of what it means for a child, but also for a grown-up person to find themselves represented in a way that is cool, that is powerful, that is beautiful. And so, yeah, go ahead and... Help young people find their place in the world and yes. tell them that everything is possible. And make
0: them listen to vocal about it. Yeah. <laughs> um so the first woman I really, really, really want and I'm so excited to celebrate her is Ayana Presley. She's actually not in the not in Europe but in the US. Um and she's a Democrat black woman who just became Massachusetts Massachusetts. I always have a hard time saying this. Massachusetts, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Oh not trying to rub it in here. First black congresswoman, and she's amazing. She's dope. She's great at communicating as well. I'm following her on Twitter and it's just amazing. And it's a great win in terms of representation, again, as we were just talking about, because that just adds another black woman's face in politics and she's a mom. She's a great friend. Um, she's been a caretaker for, for her mother herself. She's very vocal about racism and sexism, and she's just dope. Nice, sweet. The second one I want to celebrate is actually in France, uh, my home country. Her name is Asa Traoré. And I just wanted to send her some love and some strength. Asa Traoré is the big sister of Adama Traoré. For those who don't know, Adama Traoré is a black man who got killed by police brutality on the 19th of July 2016 in Beaumont-sur-Oise in France. He was celebrating that very day his 24th birthday. So basically it's been two years, nothing has happened. There's no justice and for two years consistently and with an amazing strength... Assa Traoré has been fighting for justice for her brother. She organizes different strikes. She's very vocal about things. She goes on podcasts, on TV, and talks about the story to make sure her brother is remembered. But unfortunately, this is just one other case of a man of color being brutalized and killed by the police in France. So I just wanted to celebrate Assa Traoré for her strength, for the love that she puts in her activism, and... The patience that she has towards the whole communication that she puts around that.
1: Wow, very impressive.
0: Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for bringing them
1: on the table Mm -hmm. and telling us about them. And yeah, that's it. That was our first episode
0: of Vocal About It. Thanks for listening to this episode of Vocal About It. If you enjoyed the conversation, show your sister some love. We'd love to see some five-star rating on Apple podcast. Share the podcast with your loved ones as well and to all of the others. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for updates with the handle at vocalabout underscore it. And if you have any questions, love declarations, or that you want to partner for some cool shit, do drop us an email on vocalaboutit at gmail.com. Ciao, lovers.